Welcome to InsureTech Bytes, the podcast for the future of insurance. We bring you the latest developments in insurance with exclusive interviews with the industry's trailblazers. No hype, no pie in the sky. We want to know what's on your mind, so tweet us at InsureTech Rising. Hi, and welcome to this episode of InsureTech Bytes. I'm Oshin Marins. Anyone who's been keeping an eye on the InsureTech space will, of course, be aware of a lot of activity around digital distribution, with many InsureTech seeking to disrupt how products are sold and how customer relationships are managed. So recently, I spoke to one such would-be disruptor, Karn Soroya, uh, CEO at Cover. Here's what he had to say. Great, Will. Thanks very much for joining me today, Karn. Yeah, thanks for hosting me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So before we get started, perhaps you could um, tell everybody listening um, what Cover is about in a nutshell. Sure. Uh, so Cover is a technology company uh, with a national a U.S. insurance brokerage built on top. Um, our customers take pictures and videos of things they want to insure, so they'll walk us around their homes, so they'll give us 360 views of their cars, they'll take selfies, they'll take pictures of their kittens, uh, <laughs> send them to us to get insurance, uh, and uh, we will fulfill those requests via our brokerage and our, our 30 carrier partners across the United States. Wow, interesting. So people actually take photographs of their kittens. They do. They do. Uh, we've, we've, gotten, we've gotten things as crazy as tree houses, tanks, uh, you know, random electronic devices, braille machines, things like that. Uh, just about anything you can think of. Always good for a laugh, I'm sure. Um, so, um, uh, you know, I understand that your background, though, has not been in the insurance industry, but, you know, maybe if you could kind of enlighten us around, you know, what is it about insurance at this particular juncture that has attracted you? Um, and why in particular have you chosen to target brokers for disruption? Sure. Uh, so I think I can give you a quick background on the team that's working on cover. Um, the folks that I work with now, I have been building consumer-facing products professionally with for about five years. I went to high school with them, so it's a very tight-knit team. Uh, we come from a very different space. We built a mobile e-commerce marketplace called Stylekick prior to this. Uh, we grew that to a million users, about 50 million pages a month. And then we were acquired in Shopify, where myself and my team ran a, uh, a mobile product unit, um, built very interesting things, marketplace apps for Shopify, um, you know, assisted in building out things like chatbots for uh, Facebook Messenger on commerce. Um, so, you know, we're fairly adept at building mobile products, um, you know, especially in world-class mobile products in that everything we've ever built has been featured by Apple or Google. There are millions of people through our apps in the past with a pretty intimate understanding of how to drive distribution, um, you know, via native mobile channels. Uh, and we do have some context for insurance. We're not entirely outsiders. Um, Prior to tech, I was all the line in their FS practice, was in finance at risk, um, has some familiarity with their insurance practice. On the, so, so really we're a team that sits at the intersection of, you know, the folks who actually can build consumer businesses to some scale and have a, a fair understanding of insurance. And, and that's pretty rare in insure tech. Um, so why we chose the brokerage route initially, um, you know, we we just we actually started as a lead gen business simply to prove that you know distribution on native mobile was a big enough pipe to build a a fairly sizable insurance business. Um, and we moved we actually moved down the chain towards you know, becoming a brokerage because we we quickly realized that you know, when we were sending these leads to, to brokerage partners across the United States, they were taking days if not weeks to get back to our customers. They didn't have the 
ability to conduct immediate outreach. They didn't have the ability to engage with our customers, who tend to be younger, uh, via the channels that they expect to be engaged with. Uh, you know, that includes text messaging. Um, and so, you know, given the lack of performance with some of our broker partners via that lead gen business, where we had proven out there was some scale, um, we decided to become a national insurance brokerage and take over more of the customer experience ourselves. And so now we work directly with carriers. Uh, you know, we build software to pull out pricing automatically. We build a we build out software to handle payments automatically. We integrate with carrier partners across the country. And so you can think of us as a very lean technology enabled brokerage that is able to, you know, build build a fairly uh, you know deep understanding of our customers as they come in the door, um, you know, using sensors on device, using third-party APIs, so basic social, financial, and telematics data in a way that no insurance brokerage across the country could do. Um, you know, that's, that's the first answer. It was born out of a need uh, to fix a customer experience that we thought was broken. Uh, the second was that, you know, we... We recognize that moving any further down the stack, you know, towards you know, purchasing an insurance cell would be particularly capital intensive, um, and and you know, distribution, underwriting, claims management, handling regulatory overhead are all in, in a way distinct businesses, and we really wanted to focus in on you know the next piece before you know we even considered moving moving further. Um, so that's that's how we thought about entering this particular space, and why we thought of brokerages, uh, you know, and front end distribution uh, as, as the right place for us to start. Great, so interesting. I mean, I guess if you do kind of think of yourself as like kind of lean tech enabled um, kind of brokerage, maybe you can talk us through a little bit how the business model works, and you know, how might it function differently uh, to a traditional brokerage model? Sure. So when it comes when it comes to working with our carrier partners, uh, you know, we prefer that they treat us like any other retail brokerage. Uh, most insurance carriers do not have simple pricing, payments, finding, document generation APIs that we can tap into. And so, you know, we, we don't place that burden on them. We, we kind of build out the tech that's necessary to automate a lot of that stuff in-house. Um, so, so, you know, from the perspective of a carrier, unless they're really, you know, particularly interested in, in integrating with us directly to get pricing out, um, you know, to get documents out, it's not a requirement at all. Um, you know, we, we also, you know, tend, we sell almost all of our business over in-app messaging or text. And so from a human capital perspective, uh, our, cust our, our agents or folks who actually interface with our customers are focused only on one thing and one thing only, and that is the advisory component of selling insurance. Uh, so they're not they're not bogged down by having to enter in information manually into you know regional raters. Uh, they're not bogged down by having to collect uh, payments for certain carriers. Uh, they can really hone in on who the customer is. Uh, make sure that we are selecting you know initially programmatically the right carrier and coverage levels that are appropriate for that customer, and then modifying using the expertise of that agent in the back end. So very different. It, it really just scopes. It really just scopes the, uh, you know, the human piece uh, very narrowly uh, to to what is the most value adding, and that is the advice that we we you know offer to our customers. 
That um, kind of uh, brings me to my next question, you know, kind of mm-hmm. value adding and the kind of customer value proposition that you've built. Um, so, I mean, like, how have your users been responding? Um, you know, and what problems exactly are you tackling for them in a way that others aren't? Sure. So, so we, we view ourselves as particularly consumer-centric. Um, we recognize that we operate in a fairly commoditized space and that in order to compete, we need to be able to offer value over and above what brokerage and actually direct-to-consumer carrier partners do. Um, and so one of those th- things is simply communicating with our customers via channels that they expect to be communicated via. And that's, that's text message primarily. Uh, the second is to make ourselves useful above and beyond the transaction. So into cover, we build tools like price drop alerts. So you can, you know, you could be a progressive customer, um, pop into cover, may not have a very high intent in around, you know, just switching carriers or, or purchasing insurance, but you can provide us your policy number, authorize us to be your broker, and we'll programmatically remarket you when violations, accidents, or, or renewals come up. Um, you know, there's another feature in Cover where when you pay via credit card, we use TensorFlow to identify that credit card and extract insurance policies in that card and, and pull them into Cover. Um, customers come in, uh, you know, ahead of uh, ahead of major weather events to document their property. So that, uh, there's a uh, an interesting feature in Cover um, that centers around a TensorFlow-based camera, so we utilize computer vision in our apps, uh, where they can flip on they can flip on the, the Cover camera, walk around their house. We will automatically identify, uh, detect, identify, and catalog all their property, so furniture, televisions, laptops, uh, what have you, uh, and cap- capture that last year and append it to their existing homeowner's policy if they've got one. Um, or sell them one if, if they don't have one. Uh, and that's particularly useful for improving claims throughput, uh, you know, making sure that our customers have a, a much more pleasant experience when it comes to you know, actually making claims, when, if, if, should the, the need ever arise. So really, you know, we, we recognize that you know, uh, in market shift, uh, you know, carrier competitiveness uh, moves, uh, but from our perspective, we're really just there to make sure, sure that our lives of our customers are easier uh, and that we're offering, again, value over and above what a traditional brokerage carrier couldn't, but a tech company could. Mm. I mean, of course, having that kind of, you know, um, time-stamped record of the contents of your home and all that kind of stuff is really interesting and kind of obviously a valuable um, service to provide to a customer. Um, but, of course, obviously, as you've mentioned already, that, you know, part of the attractional coverage should be the kind of seamless and kind of... Um, kind of uh, easy way in which you can kind of find coverage using the kind of um, what you call the magic arm. But, you know, can you talk us through some of the challenges you've had to come overcome in developing that and, um, you know, in using a photo to determine what exactly a customer's needs are? And um, what other kinds of info have you had to collect, if any, off the back of that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we, we try our, like, so I'll, I'll talk uh, in, in a more general sense and around the, you know, how we identify um you know, the type of customer that comes to the door, we really want to get to the point where, and we have gone to the point, where we know that a customer is a doctor in New Jersey, in New Jersey uh, you know, before they touch an agent, uh, and that their exposures are greater than the average American. Therefore, they should end up with a particular carrier with certain, with certain uh, limits, uh, or, you know, they could be in trouble should they ever get into an accident. Um, so, so I think... The, the core piece is really recognizing who the customer is. The technology piece is actually less difficult. Uh, you know, 
when it comes to training computer vision models, we've got a fairly sizable set uh, of training data at this point. So people walking us around their houses, uh, we can detect dogs, dog breeds to a fairly high degree of granularity. Um, you know, uh, what's nice about walking around your house is you have a fairly finite set of things that are in your home, right? Like uh, you've got couches, you've got beds, you've got appliances, you've got televisions. Uh, you're, you're not trying to categorize hundreds of thousands of you know potentially different items. There are there are major product categories that can be picked up on. So it, ha it hasn't been that difficult, and b because we have the training set and we've capitalized on existing customer behavior to train this training set, it's worked out pretty decently. I mean, of course, you, you know, um, computer vision is one of the kind of areas that you know, there's a lot of interest in and kind of excitement around, and, you know, to kind of developing how it's going to be used in the insurance industry. I mean, what, um, you know, what do you think the future looks like for computer vision? What do you think maybe some of the challenges that um, companies like yourself um, have to overcome are? Yeah, so, so, I mean, we're actively working on extending, um, you know, the CV capabilities of cover to a broader set of property. Uh, so... You know, we're going to be able at some point to resolve damage in a car. We'll be able to identify and make model year range uh, for vehicles. We'll be able to uh, capture odometer readings at renewals programmatically. So there's, you know, there are specific problems to be solved, um, you know, in and around fraud prevention and, of course, making, uh, making sure that our customers are a good place prior to making a claim that you can, you can employ computer vision to solve. Uh, and we're doing all of those things. Great. So, I mean, so moving on from the underlying tech to the actual performance mm -hmm. and you know how things are kind of shaping up for you guys. Um, sure. you know, obviously, insurance has notoriously high customer acquisition costs. You know, how are you tackling that challenge? Yeah. So, we're, I think we're, one of the things that leaves us naturally advantage over our direct writer is that we're a brokerage, and so our our CACs tend to be lower um, than direct writers do because we have a broad set of markets. Um, but you know, I, I actually view acquisition. As you know, a, you always take a portfolio approach to growth, and this is something that we've learned. You know, selling three hundred dollars pairs of jeans to very finicky e-commerce customers. Um, you know, you're and what you see right now is you see insurtechs raise a lot of money and just hammer at existing channels where they're where they're paying market prices uh, for eyeballs, just like any you know incumbent insurance carrier would. Um, and so, some of the financial results have not been particularly great. You, you know, you're seeing you're seeing some some carriers, well, some insure tech spend a dollar for in advertising for every dollar of premium they generate, which is not you know feasible uh, in the in the long run. Um, and so it's fine. I mean, you can you can play in channels where you're going to pay market prices for for eyeballs, but you also have to be particularly creative, um, you know, in developing more durable acquisition channels. And so some, some of them, um, including ourselves, have, have, you know, moved into the space of developing APIs on top of their products for access to their products, working with channel partners. Um, you know, uh, for example, we'll, we're working with Shopify to be able to distribute uh, warranties across all 500,000 Shopify merchants. And certain folks will, will cross-sell, uh, will cross-sell, uh, you know, home or, or other products. Um, so, so you know, you've got to take a portfolio approach to it. Paid general paid acquisition, where you're paying market prices, is absolutely part of that tool set. But you do you do need to be a little bit more creative, and I, I don't think I've seen that creative creativity yet from from most insure techs.
No, absolutely. I think, um, you know, um, yeah, I think um, you know it's a, it's an interesting kind of thing to keep your eye on. Of course, um, you yeah. Know, you know what? But what can you tell us about how things are actually shaping up for um, your users? I mean, are customers sticking with the platform? Are they purchasing more products once they're on board with one? Are they yeah. maybe making the full use out of that kind of insurance concierge service you're trying to build? Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually very surprising. Um, you know, we we have an extremely long, a potentially extremely long tail to conversion. Uh, because we live on device and we interact via text message, we see sales coming from customers who installed us four or five months ago, uh, which is unheard of for any web-based property. Like, I mean, if you're looking at any sort of comparison site, you, you pop into the comparison site. If you know the prices at the end of the funnel are not what you want, you're probably not coming back. Uh, but here, I mean... Uh, you've, you've entered in your information. We're, we're programmatically marketing you when we feel is necessary. And the customer actually has a direct number. Every single one of our customers has a direct number into our CRM where they can engage with a human being. Um, and as a result, you know, the tail, uh, the tail is extremely long and our CPAs tend to weather downwards, uh, as a result mm-hmm. over, over time. Um, so that's, that's a particularly unique consequence uh, on the native mobile platform. It, it means that if you can continue to keep the customer engaged via native mobile, you can have a serious edge, uh, you know, in, in terms of tech, which, which you rightly described as being, you know, aggressively high uh, for some, for some insure tech. And I think kind of shifting the focus a little bit, you know, staying with performance, um, mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, your strategy, um, but shifting away from the actual um, customer um, kind of base, I suppose, that you've landed um, partnerships with some big industry players. Um, you know, how have you managed to strike partnerships as a business with incumbents? Um, and sure. what insight can you give us into how these relationships work? Because, you know, obviously one of the topics that a lot of people want to um, kind of discuss is, you know, how to build effective partnerships with large corporates. And, you know, um, you know maybe you can give us some insight into how you've managed to do that. Sure. So, I mean, it's a conflict of a couple of different things. Uh, part of it is I think our timing was right. Uh, <laughs> we, we entered the market at a time when uh, most incumbent insurance carriers started to take, uh, you know, insure tech partnerships particularly seriously. Um, and so, we were, we were beneficiaries of that. Uh, being in Silicon Valley in a white combinator company certainly helped. Um, I think the thing that's a clincher for most of our partners is that, you know, we, we act, you know, there, there is a comparison element to our product. We are searching the market for our customers. But at the end of the day, we're only presenting our customers with a single company, a single policy uh, with certain limits. And so their brand is never conflicted with their competitors' brands. We never put Progressive next to, uh, you know, State Auto or... Uh, to Safeco or Liberty Mutual, um, which which is something that they're not really accustomed to, and you know, quite frankly, have made some. A lot of them have made some efforts to pull off of comparison platforms because of that, uh, and so that made us particularly attractive. Uh, the second piece is, you know, we act as a sophisticated frontline underwriter. We're capturing quite a bit of information on the front end that is intended to reduce things like crash and dies. Uh, you know, it's intended to reduce quite a bit of the fraud that ends up happening during the onboarding process. Uh, even though we don't pass, we don't pass a lot of that information off to our uh, off to our, our carry partners simply because they don't have the ability to accept it. Um, so, so 
So, I mean, there, there are a number of reasons. Part of it's luck, part of it's technology, part of it is simply what, you know, our product experience looks like. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, kind of brings me to um, a question around um, the confidence many, um, m- you know, may not have in, in SureTech to kind of really disrupt distribution models. And I suppose that, you know, um, two-thirds of InsureTech investment has gone towards companies with, uh, you know, who kind of take uh, aim at that part of the value chain. Um mm-hmm. What would you say in answer to that kind of skepticism around um, uh, the belief that, uh, you know, InsureTech will be a disruptive force when it comes to distribution? Um, you know, what would you say to that? Sure. So so I think, like, I think when you're assessing opportunities, you, you probably really need to look at a track record of having driven distribution in the past. There are a ton of InsureTechs that haven't actually done that and have kind of raised on the promise of being able to do that. Um, you know, we're unique in that we came from a viciously competitive space. We came from e-commerce, especially high-end e-commerce, where things like changes in the the button of, uh, the color of a button, uh, you know, can have pretty material changes in, in conversion down funnel. Um, so there's there's a certain discipline, I think, when it comes to acquisition that is not yet has not yet manifested itself uh, amongst secure distribution in tech. And you've seen, you know, inevitably a lot of them pivot to to becoming more tools, um, you know, for, for incumbent carrier partners. Uh, that being said, you know, if you do, if you, inter- if you own distribution, you own the lifeblood of the insurance business, and it's still, which is why you've seen, you know, so much money move into distribution. And the people who do crack it are going to be incredibly valuable companies, uh, which is why you'll continue to see, you know, a fair amount of capital move into distribution purely. Um, what gives me some pause at this point is, uh, you know, venture uh, venture can sometimes be a little bit uh, agnostic to, you know, the underlying fundamentals uh, of, business, of regulated business like insurance. You know, growth growth is great, but growth for the sake of growth without any, you know, thought given to the, the quality of the risks or the health of the book that you're developing uh, is going to blow up really quickly, right? Um, you know, you can't be running, you can't be running at 200 or 150, uh, you know, loss ratio in perpetuity. No one's going to absorb that. That's just not something, uh, you know, that you can continue to build on top of as a going concern. Um, and so, you know, the vectors that you really can see on are, hey, like, do you have an, you, do you have a, an edge in acquisition or pricing? I'm sorry, an edge in acquisition. Do you have an edge in pricing, or do you have some, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, novel way or niche to be able to price a little bit better? And you know, do you have a way to manage risk better? Um, most most insurtechs have none of these things, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, and so, you know, we we have uh, we've invested heavily into making sure that you know we have a fairly diverse set of acquisition channels, some durable, some market based. We have. We've obviously invested in technology to identify good risks. Um, and then managing risks, you're, you're going to start to see things, you know, from cover like uh, distracted driver tracking. Uh, you know, because we're on, a, because we're on, on phone, uh, and this is actually not novel, you know, we have, ac- we have access to a, an accelerometer and gyro that lets us know that Johnny, who's 22 years old, is driving down the highway at 80 miles per hour, uh, and, the, and the orientation of his phone has changed 10 times. Uh, meaning that he's using his phone. Uh, 
you know, managing risk means sending his parents a text message or an email letting them know that Johnny is driving down the highway at 80 miles per hour. Yeah. And the orientation in his phone mm-hmm. is So, so you, you got to start thinking along each of these, these vectors and, you know, knocking down one at a time. Um, and, and I think a lot of, a lot of folks in this space have, have been a little bit scattershot and haven't executed particularly well on any of these. Hmm. Uh, you've already kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but um, mm-hmm. I guess um, you know if um, those insurtechs who really nail distribution do kind of control the lifeblood, as you say, of yeah. the insurance industry. I mean, thinking about how insurance is evolving and the ways that you've just mentioned around kind of um, proactive um, risk management. Do you see a future in which um, you know cover might be tempted to kind of take on that role as a risk carrier itself, or do those kind of very onerous capital and regulatory requirements kind of uh, mean that for you, you know, it's um, it's uh, you're going to stay put in distribution. No, like so, so we're we're a technology startup and do not have and do not have the you know the claims experience or like the time series of claims experience that incumbent carriers incumbent carriers do. Mm. What's great is that we have a view of where carriers are competitive. Uh, you know where we convert best. Uh, for what risk class, non-standard, standard preferred, and we know what the gaps in the market are, um, and mm. and so as we, you know, the answer is yes. Like we'll proceed along the continuum of being a pure broker through MGA. We'll make we'll make a, we'll, you know, give becoming a risk sharing entity a good hard look, but I'm not sure that we'll get there uh, given some of the, mm. uh, you know, economic considerations. But we may. I don't know, uh, but. We're not, we're not really trying to display some of these markets. We're trying to fill gaps uh, in the market as we see it. And one of them, you know, all, quite obviously is, um, you know, good younger drivers. Uh, so we have a lot of customers who come in the, come in the door through cover, uh, you know, who are STEM grads, have, un, you know, have attended a top 100 school, don't have, uh, haven't had an opportunity to build up a credit score, which is, you know, primary rating factor across the United States, with the exception of California. Um, you know, don't have much claims experience because they haven't been driving very long, but our customers who are going to be graduating is the preferred segment. Uh, and we view them as fundamentally mispriced. They're, they're effectively the holy grail uh, of insurance customers. They're the preferred customers of the future. Um, and we, we have, the again, the, the basic social, financial, and telematics data to be able to chart their trajectory uh, into that segment. And if, if our current markets do not you know, take advantage of that, then certainly we would. Great. Well, I mean, um, we're going to leave it there, Connor. It's all really interesting stuff, and of course, I'm sure many people will be keeping an eye on how things shape up with cover. Um, you, know, you know, I know yourself, you're going to join us in InsureTech Rising Boston um, uh, to kind of yep. join our panel around distribution disrupted, and really looking forward to meeting you there. But thanks again for just speaking with us. Yeah, thanks again for hosting me. I appreciate it. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for listening to this episode of InsureTech Bytes. You can catch up on all of our podcasts and industry insight on insuretechrising.com, as well as all the news on the upcoming InsureTech Rising US event, which takes place this May in Boston. Thanks for listening to InsureTech Bytes, the podcast for the future of insurance. We want to know what's on your mind, so tweet us at InsureTechRising. Rising.